0: Hello, welcome to our Vi world. I'm your host John Hinson. I don't know why I don't know why he says it like that. Um, but yeah, this week talking about uh, a trio of German serial killers. because um, you know, look, Germany, no shortage of just terrible people. I think you don't even have to know a lot about history to know that. But um, these people obviously kind of fell through the cracks of history because, you know, oh, the whole Holocaust thing. Um, and that's fine. Probably probably rightfully so. But um, it's my job to bring them back and to talk about them and to let you know about them. So uh, this week, looking at the stories of Fritz Harmon, Adolf Seafelt, and Rudolph Plyle, and let's get into it. story is of Fritz Harmon who was the sixth and final child born to Johanna and Ollie Harmon probably Johanna Johanna and Ollie Harmon in Hanover on August 25th 1879 and as a child Fritz was pretty quiet he never really socialized with anyone um, other than his other siblings and Instead of, you know, like doing normal German boy things like playing soccer or hating Jewish people, Fritz really preferred playing with his sister's dolls and dressing in their clothes. He even um, got into sewing, he became a really good cook. He was basically a girl. You know, at least in terms of like gender roles and gender, you know, related interests, which, you know, look, whatever. I think I think Fritz here is being a pioneer. Right. He is blurring the lines with, uh, s- you know, stereotypical gender roles. And I think that's great. All right. I think there's no shame in men doing stereotypically feminine things. All right. Whatever whatever you want to do, bro you know you want to crochet a toboggan you be the best toboggan crocheter there ever would have been right you know you you know that's fine i I think it's great right fritz um he dropped out of uh, formal school at age 15 because he wasn't particularly good at school and so instead he enrolled in a nearby military academy but five months in fritz just randomly began losing consciousness almost as if he had epilepsy. But for whatever reason, like he, he wasn't diagnosed with epilepsy, but like dude would just drop out of consciousness, not like narcolepsy where you would fall asleep, like just total unconsciousness. Um, So he was discharged from the military and moved back to Hanover where he worked at a cigar factory that his father owned the next year. uh, For some reason, I don't know what happened, but Fritz began luring young boys into cellars and sexually assaulting them. Um, He was arrested for these assaults and was committed to a mental institution where he was declared incurably deranged. All right. Now, authorities even sentenced him to stay institutionalized indefinitely, and he did so for approximately seven months before he broke out and fled to Zurich, Switzerland. Now, typically as these stories go, You have all of these psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever. Like This dude is permanently uh, just completely incurable. He doesn't need to be let out in public again. He needs to be locked up forever. And then for some reason, he just gets let go. But in this case, he just breaks out of this mental institution, which I don't know which one's worse. Uh, Fritz returned to Hanover a year later. And then here's the thing. Everyone seemed fine with it. Like, everyone knew he was back, I guess. Um, And even more, he actually found a woman to not only marry him, but to also have a child with him. And then in 1900, uh, Fritz received a notice that he was supposed to begin his required military service, which indicated that the entire country of Germany had forgotten that he was supposed to be locked up in a mental institution forever which I, I again, I don't know how this happens. Um, he was sent to France where he quickly gained a reputation for being an excellent marksman. But after collapsing again during a training exercise, Fritz was deemed unfit for service and dismissed on July 28, 1902. Um, two years later, as if things weren't bad enough, everything at this point completely fell apart. Um, He was officially declared unfit to work in general. Um, His pregnant fiance called off their marriage and then he lost the fish market that the two had started uh, that had opened up together. And so for the next decade, Fritz, uh, Fritz spent time in and out of prison for various theft and embezzlement charges. And then after World War I, when Germany was overwhelmed with poverty, Fritz developed this relationship with a local police officer or with the local police department as an informant, which he used to get access to young boys that he then used to like, not only get the keep, like keep the heat off of himself because like the police were never going to expect the informant that they were using to actually be someone who's committing the crimes. But as an informant and as he was getting access to these young boys for whatever reason, I don't know, he was then able to continue molesting (laughs) young boys. There's a kind of genius, actually. Um, by then, like at this point, like Fritz was a known homosexual, which was illegal at the time. But like, it's probably why he became an informant as kind of like this plea agreement where it's like, okay, we won't put you in jail for being gay. If you'll just help us out. And Fritz was like, yes, that seems like a very good idea. You're going to tell me that I can continue to be around young boys that my penis likes my, my Vito Wiener gets so happy around young boys and you're not going to put me in jail for that. You're going to just let me do it. Yes, absolutely. I love to do that. I, I've worked for you all the time. Yes. Like <laughs> this is such a terrible idea. Um, but yeah, it, like as long as Fritz was helping police capture other child molesters, basically the, the, you know, Hanover police just kind of looked the other way at his own homosexuality. Um, And so because Fritz was practically immune to arrest at this point, like he took it a step further and he proceeded to murder at least 24 people over the next six years. Uh, Every single one of his victims was a male between the ages of 10 and 22. Uh, And each time Fritz would lure the boy or the young adult back to his home on the premise of either like giving them some work or – just straight up telling them that he was a police informant, that he was bringing them back to, um, have them arrested, or he was going to have them arrested for a crime that they had committed if they did not cooperate with him. And so he would take them back to his house. And after giving them something to eat and drink, Fritz would then just start strangling them and then biting down on their Adam's apples, which that's gross. Um, on some occasions, Fritz would actually bite so hard That he would bite through the Adam's apple and into his victim's windpipes. And then once they were dead, Fritz dismembered the bodies and then uh, dumped them into the Lane River. On May 17th, 1924, two children who were playing along the banks of the Lane River uh, discovered a human skull. Which, probably the coolest day ever for them, uh, probably not great for anybody else. Uh, Police immediately discredited any foul play since the area had recently been through an outbreak of typhoid fever. But when another skull and a bag of bones were found two weeks later, police started paying closer attention to what was going on. Uh, On June 8th, several other remains or after several other remains had been discovered, residents, uh, hundreds of Hanover residents started searching uh, the line River for more bones, which were then quickly found and immediately turned over to police. Uh, past rumors about odd disappearances of teen boys in the city over the last few years uh, suddenly started to make sense, which like <laughs> how what's going on in this. City? And I get, it's like just after world war one, Germany as a country is just completely decimated. And so there's probably all kinds of crazy stuff being said. And like one of us, all these young boys have gone missing in the city and like, no one cares. Or it's like, eh, we got, <laughs> we got bigger problems. Um, People actually immediately began suspecting Fritz for this because um, not only was he just known as the town creep, he was also the town criminal and the town homosexual. Um, Police kind of didn't want to think of him as a suspect at first again because he was acting as this informant but um 10 days later they did place him under surveillance and on june 22nd police observed fritz arguing with a 15 year old boy um fritz still working though as an informant came over to hand the boy over to police and told them to arrest this kid for traveling with forged documents And so they did. And then while they're interrogating this kid, the boy revealed that he had actually been living with Fritz for four days and that Fritz had been repeatedly raping him, which if you're Fritz, what are you doing? How do you just let this kid, like knowing what this kid knows and knowing that he's probably going to tell everyone, unless the kid was like, no, Fritz, I won't tell anyone. Like, of course he's going to tell everyone. Um, And so, Yeah, like, Fritz was arrested the next day based on this kid's uh, confession. Police then searched Fritz's house and found it stained with all kinds of blood. Uh, They also found the personal belongings of several of the missing boys from over the last few years. And with piles of evidence in front of him, Fritz, was like, he couldn't deny it. He confessed to all of these murders, but tried to defend himself because he claimed... That he had never intended to actually murder anyone, but he was just so passionately gay in that moment that when he was doing his little biting thing, he just bit down a little too hard and choked everyone to death, right? Because that happens, I, I guess. I don't know. Gay listeners of the podcast, write in. Tell me. You know, I don't know how gay sex works. I do. You Do you bite down? Uh, Do do you do like are you like a tiger you just like a little gay tiger in the woods just biting people's necks sometimes you bite a little too hard is that how it goes I don't know if it is cool by all means man do your thing get a little kinky I don't care Uh, whatever whatever makes you happy as long as the other person's okay with it I think I should make that clear you know do whatever makes you happy. As long as if another person is involved, they are okay with it, right? Because if you're doing something to someone else and they are not okay with it, that becomes a problem. But you know, look, I know it kind of it might take some of the uh, excitement and the spontaneity out of it if you have to stop and be like, "Hey, can we do this? Can I get a verbal? All right, it's like a flight attendant. I need a verbal confirmation." that you are okay with me biting your neck like I'm a tiger, like I'm a sassy tiger, right? So as long as you – and so, look, but you can can rekindle that passion pretty quick, you know, maybe, I'm guessing. Uh, Anyway, um, Fritz's trial uh, began on December 4th, and he was formally charged with 27 murders to which he pled guilty to 14. And after two weeks and 190 witnesses testifying against him, Fritz was found guilty on 24 of the 27 murder charges and was sentenced to death by hanging. He was then guillotined on the grounds of Hanover prison on April 15th, 1925. Uh, our next story here is of Adolf Seefeld who was the seventh and final child born to a Potsdam, Germany family in 1870. So, pattern starting to develop if you have more than five kids chances are the sixth or the seventh one going to end up a little creepy all right and that's probably you know look that that checks right that tracks right think about i don't know a bottle of mayonnaise all right you the first squeeze of the mayonnaise is probably pretty good mayonnaise you get down to the bottom at the end of that bottle it's probably not good that's you know It's real tangy mayonnaise at that point, all right? Maybe not even the same consistency. You got that water in there from the condensation of the bottle because you keep leaving it out for an hour or two after dinner. Now it's just like runny white water, but not even like – it's not even the same consistency as like skim milk. It's just like this weird other plasma liquid. Anyway, all I'm saying is that that kid – not as good as like the top of the bottle kid. All right. You get it. Um, Adolf grew up to become a watchmaker and made a living repairing grandfather clocks and pocket watches because, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. That was, that was the thing. Um, when the third Reich came into power, Adolf then just decided to start murdering young boys because look, that wasn't even the worst thing that was happening in Germany at the time. like, that's that's got that had to have been like a big relief for some German people, especially like Adolf Seefeld, because a first of all he's not even the worst Adolf in Germany in that moment, all right, so there you go you you can cast a little bit wider net there then also Germany's in the midst of sending all of these different ethnicities, mostly Jews, but different ethnicities to these concentration camps, and everyone's focusing on that so you're kind of like, well, I can probably kill some people. No one's gonna notice, and they can probably they probably just assume they got sent off to a camp, never never to be seen again. And so Adolf starts uh, decides to start murdering young boys, uh, and over the next few years, at least twelve boys turned up dead, and they were all found in the exact same way. Um, these boys were found wearing sailor suits, and there was no evidence of physical violence, like almost as if they had died in their sleep. And because the rest of Germany was so busy killing all of the Jews, no one thought much of what this Adolf was doing. And so even like much of this actual story and the details of Adolf Seefeld's murders are actually just lost to history because like no one cared. No one cared that a bunch that like a dozen boys in sailor suits turned up dead. Because of this one guy. That's how much we focused on World War II and probably rightfully so. Look, every murder has some element of sadness. Even the worst people who get murdered. There's still some sadness there. Um, a, a young boy that gets murdered. Very sad. Very tragic. Um, arguably not as tragic as the death of six million Jewish people. I, you know, Look, the death of one white child. All right regardless of your political, religious, social views, not more important than the death of 6 million Jewish people. Like, even if you hate Jewish people, 6 million to 1, even 6 million to 12, still not an equal ratio, right? The Jews are still going to win this one, right? At least that's my opinion. If you disagree, I don't know what to tell you because you're wrong in that one. Um, however, despite all of this, modern murder experts believe that basically Adolf lured these boys into his possession and then hypnotized them into such a deep sleep that then allowed him to put his wiener into their mouths. I don't know. I don't know how you come up with this. Like, sitting around as a murder expert just like, yeah, you know I look, I, I think these boys, like they clearly had not been physically assaulted so what happened? Me, I know what happened, alright, check me out here, alright, he hypnotizes them, puts them into such a deep sleep and then, because he's a sexual deviant, he just takes out his wiener and just stuffs it in their mouths, like pries their little 10, 12 year old jaws open, <laughs> just Why am I getting so graphic at that? You get it. Um, instead of waking them up, however, Adolf would just let them sleep in the woods where they would eventually die of either starvation or hypothermia. Uh, although authorities only link twelve deaths to Adolf Seafeld, it's possible that more a deaths, uh, m- more deaths that were originally attributed to natural causes, could have actually been part of Adolf's killing spree. And some people speculate that he may have killed as many as a hundred boys uh, at some point. We don't know when because no one kept record of this. Uh, Adolf Seafelt was arrested and convicted of uh, 12 murders. And despite an appeal, he was sentenced to death. Um, and on May twenty third, 1936, he uh, it was noted that he eagerly walked to the guillotine for his execution. So, like, he knew what he was doing. Um, our final story here is of Rudolf Plyle who was born on July 7th, 1924 in a small German village near the border with Czechoslovakia. Uh, by age nine, Pliehl was working to support his family by, uh, smuggling various items across the border for which he was uh, repeatedly arrested because you can't do that, uh, for whatever reason, uh, because that area was also under Nazi rule at the time. Pliehl's family lived in severe poverty and his sister was actually forcibly sterilized by the Nazis because of her epilepsy. Um, At age 13, Plyle also had his first sexual encounter with a prostitute. So, I mean, you know, life isn't that bad, right? Like, sure, the Nazis are ruling everything, right? They just forcibly sterilized your sister because she's got the epilepsy. But you just ran into a hooker down on the street and she kind of showed you what was what. So, yeah, you know, it's a wash. Um, maybe, uh, for the next few years, Plow worked various jobs while running illegal operations on the side. Um, he was jailed for theft. He was declared unfit for service in the Nazi army, which he was probably okay with. Um, and he was ordered to be sterilized because he also had epilepsy. Um, however, before, uh, four days before his procedure, the medical office where he was uh, about to go get snipped, got bombed. So obviously that appointment got canceled. Uh, Instead, Plyle was sent to work as a cook at a labor camp where um, to apparently pass an incredibly large amount of free time, uh, Plyle killed and ate stray cats, which sad and weird. Um, After the Red Army invaded and took over uh, his labor camp in 1945, Plyle was then hired as an auxiliary policeman where he decided that uh, rather than just killing and eating cats, he wanted to start killing people. So he first shot uh, a Soviet soldier. Didn't kill him, though, just injured him. And so, you know, he kind of played it off like, oh, no, I sh- I'm so clumsy. It's my epilepsy. I just got all and I hit the trigger, and I'm so sorry. I just, like, I must not be able to use guns. I'm a bad policeman. Um, the next year, <laughs> in 1946, Plow began working as a frontier worker, in the village of Harz and went back to helping people illegally cross the border from uh, Germany into Czechoslovakia. However, uh, he and two of his accomplices, Karl Hoffman and Conrad Schubler um, also killed at least 12 women along the way with various weapons. I, I guess just because they thought it was fun. Um, another 13 police officers also disappeared um, and then on April 18th, 1947, the dismembered body of, uh, Hamburg businessman, Herman Benin was found by police after reports that Benin had been robbed and had gone missing. Uh, Benin and Plyle had actually gotten into an altercation at the border and Plyle had just decided to hack Benin to death with a hatchet. Um, since Plough was completely drunk at the time, as were most Germans, uh, the court reduced the charge to manslaughter and gave him like a reduced uh, jail sentence. While in prison, Plough just decided to confess to all of the other murders that he had committed, which helped police a lot since they had no idea that there were murders that needed uh, to be confessed to in the in, to begin with, which is great. That's great. And again, I get it. It's after World War II. All right, Germany, again, completely decimated. They've got bigger issues to deal with. They know, like, so many people have died, right? So many people have died. They can't keep track of who was murdered versus who was exterminated by the Nazis versus who died in a bombing, right? It's just so many things going on. Um, So Plyle published a memoir with the most original title. I love this title. Never been used before. 100% for sure. The title of his memoir was Mein Kampf. And, <laughs> which, that's so stupid. How did, like, I, surely he knew, right? He knew that Hitler had written a book with the same name, right? I don't know. Um, But, Plyle, in his version of Mein Kampf, uh, went into detail about all of the murders that he had committed. Uh, he claimed a total of 25 victims, which at the time uh, he thought was more than uh, Fritz Harmon's total from earlier today. Um, Harmon um, found guilty of 24 murders, as you uh, might remember. So he thought, I got 25. I'm one better than Fritz Harmon. I'm the man. Um, so he thought that he was the greatest murderer of all time, or at least the greatest German murderer of all time. Um, and then three weeks after his trial started, Pyle and his two accomplices were sentenced to life in prison, not even given death sentences. So shows you how much you know. Believe they had in his story. So Pyle then just hanged himself in his cell on February sixteenth, nineteen fifty eight. would love to travel to europe one day i have no desire to see germany ever like between all of the world war ii stuff and then just all of these insane individuals and look here's the thing we're gonna have more stories coming out of germany later on down the road for sure i've got them lined up um just nothing nothing about that country appeals to me whatsoever all right I'll go to the UK, Ireland all day. France, meh, take it or leave it. Spain, meh, maybe. Italy, for sure. Want to see Italy, even though people say it's overrated or, you know, I don't know. Some people have said it's overrated. I'd still want to go see it. Anyway, the point is, I don't care to ever go to Germany in my lifetime. Just seems like a, a terrible place full of terrible people. So I don't know. Let's whatever. I don't know why I even said all that. Let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, Fritz Harmon used his job as a police informant to catch other child molesters to just molest more children. And he killed at least 24 boys and was uh considered to be germany's greatest serial killer at least you know for a little bit uh number two adolf Seefeld uh not the worst adolf in germany at the time he was alive which had to have been incredibly convenient for him and number three Rudolf pleil um confessed to 25 murders thinking that he was better than fritz harman um <clears throat> and germany i you know i don't know if they agreed with him or not so he just hanged himself <laughs> Next week on Our Weird World, we are looking at some more really stupid wars that happened in history. Uh, i got four more stories for you. Uh, We're going to look at the Watermelon War, the Brooks-Baxter War, the Oyster War... And the Red River Bridge War, Uh, just all kinds of silliness, all kinds of stupid stuff uh, that that we have fought over as a species uh, over the course of history. So uh, that's what we'll talk about next week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Keep telling all your friends about the show so we can keep it growing and keep it weird. Well, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. We laid rubber on the Georgie asphalt. We got a little crazy, but we never got caught. Well, we fogged up the windows in my old Chevy. I was willing, but she wasn't ready. So I settled for a burger and a grape snow cone, Dropped her off early, but I didn't go home. Down by the river on a Friday night, a pyramid of cans in the pale moonlight, talking about cars and dreaming about women, never had a plan just a living for the minute. Yeah, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, never knew how much that muddy water meant to me. But I learned how to swim and I learned who I was a lot about living and a little about love.